0: Hello everyone, and welcome to this episode of Invert Extroverts, the podcast where we talk about the amazing symbiotic relationships of marine invertebrates. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about one of my personal favorite invertebrates, sponges. And no, not the kind you shower with, except sometimes they are. Anyway. And we're going to talk about crabs too, but back to my favorite child, sponges. These bad boys belong to the phylum level taxa, Periphera, And just like our coral friends last episode, some of you may not have known these things were even animals. But they do some pretty amazing things for a species that just seems to sit around all day. Now, sponges can be so itty bitty, they're impossible to see or meters long. And while some sponges may only live for a few years, others can live for hundreds or thousands. So there's a lot of diversity just in this taxa. Now, I did mention crabs, so let's talk a bit about them too. Specifically, we're going to talk today about Decorator Crabs. Sounds cute, right? We're all picturing crabs making wreaths and putting up Halloween decorations. Well, that's not too far from the truth. The only problem is instead of putting up lights and 12-foot tall Home Depot skeletons, Decorator Crabs are decorating with… sponges. And they're not decorating their apartments or their front yards. They're decorating themselves. So. Why on earth would a crab want a sponge as a hat? Well, let's find out. I think sponges are some of the coolest invertebrates out there. They have some pretty incredible properties that are hard to come by in the animal kingdom. For one, they can do some amazing regeneration. Sponges can actually change their differentiated cells that make up their bodies into undifferentiated cells, or archaeocytes. When damage happens to a sponge, their cells can revert to archaeocytes, join back together with other cells, and reform the different cells needed for life. Sponges can continue to live after parts are broken off, and these broken off parts can even continue to grow and become a new, separate sponge imagine if we could do that. I mean, it'd be pretty cool to be able to regrow an arm or a leg, but I'm not too sure about another me growing from the missing limb. Crabs belong to the order-level taxa Decapoda, although the term you're most likely to have heard is crustacea, which is the subphylum-level taxa the decapods fall under. Decapods just include crabs, lobsters, and shrimp, while crustacea includes everything from krill, to isopods, to barnacles. Many species of decorator crabs fall into this decapod category. In fact, decorator crabs can be grouped even smaller into the subfamily-level taxa Majoidea, of which three-fourths of the species in this category are decorator crabs. Decorator crabs can be found across the globe and include a ton of different kinds of crabs. They live in all different kinds of ecosystems and eat all different kinds of things, but there is one thing in common that makes them decorator crabs. They decorate. When you live in a place as big and scary as the ocean, with predators potentially around every corner, you want some pretty good protection. For most crabs, their hard shells do the trick. But even with a hard shell, there are some tough, hungry creatures out there who will do anything they can to pry them open for a meal. So what's a crab to do? Well, decorator crabs have come up with a really interesting way of dealing with this problem. They wear live sponges as hats. If you have a second to google a picture of a decorator crab with a sponge, do it. It looks like they're wearing like a sponge feather boa across their back. Super cute. But how does this help them to avoid predators? Well, sponges provide an element of disguise. They can help camouflage crabs from even the smartest predators like octopus. And not only do they work like a living ghillie suit, they also provide chemical defense. Sponges can produce toxic chemicals that work to prevent predation, giving the crabs an extra layer of protection. It's not only sponges that decorator crabs like to decorate with. They're pretty opportunistic meaning that anything they come across could potentially become a part of their defense, including seaweed and rocks. The sponges they decorate with are still able to filter feed and survive attached to the crabs. Plus, they get free transportation via crab shell. For many years, scientists have debated exactly what causes decorator crabs to exhibit this decorating behavior. In a recent study from the University of Delaware, Researchers aimed to answer this question. They put decorator crabs in containers with pom poms, those yarn craft balls you can put on hats, or like my mom uses in her warm fuzzy jar for her kindergartners. They found that when placed in these containers, the crabs were very quick to decorate, with most crabs being fully decorated within six hours and all crabs being decorated within the first 24 hours. They also found that there are differences in what different species protect first. Some crabs decorate areas with vital organs first, but in others, the arms and legs go first if there are places to hide. Researchers are also testing to see whether crabs make specific decisions when it comes to what camouflage goes where and if there are factors other than camouflage involved like sponge toxin emissions. Decorator crabs are also great recyclers. While the crab inside the shell grows, crab shells don't grow with them. This means that every so often, they have to molt their shell and grow a new one. For decorator crabs, this means that all their camouflage comes off with the molt. But once their new shell is beginning to harden, decorator crabs begin to remove their camouflage from the old shell and rearrange it on the new one. Crabs can play an important role in marine ecosystems as scavengers and predators, but sponges can have an even more interesting impact on marine life. Sponges are filter feeders, bringing water in through pores or canals called ostium, removing what they need from the water and expelling this water again through the osculum. This makes them important to many ecosystems, especially coral reefs, as they are super effective at cleaning the water. Sponges can remove lots of things from the water, including bacteria and other particles that could potentially impact other species. Due to their complex porous system, sponges can filter a significant amount of water every day. Plus, some sponges can live for a long time, meaning they can hold on to the toxins they filtered for a long time, before they may be ultimately released back into the environment. In this way, sponges not only benefit themselves through feeding, but just eating a meal for a sponge can mean benefits of clean water for other species in the area. Sponges also have huge benefits for humans as well as marine ecosystems. Sponges have the potential to be modified and adapted for human use in water filtration, such as at water treatment facilities. They also benefit coral tourism through cleaning the water in and around coral reefs. We even have an industry for using certain types of sponges as bath sponges, providing jobs to sponge harvesters around the world. One of the biggest benefits of sponges, though, is their huge potential in biotechnology and medical innovation. Sponges, as well as their own symbionts, produce many chemicals and products, that have been or are being adapted for use in modern medicine. These include cancer drugs like spongethymidine, antibacterial drugs, muscle relaxers for use in muscular stress and even childbirth, and many others. Sponges are one of the primary sources scientists are now turning to for new developments in these areas of treatments, and thousands of compounds have already been discovered. That means there could be many more sponge products out there that could lead to breakthroughs in treating disease. In Zanzibar, farming sea sponges has recently become a fast-growing industry, especially for women in the Jambiani area. This part of the country has historically had an industry for farming seaweed, but because of climate change and increasing water temperatures, seaweed farming has become more and more difficult. About 15 years ago, some farmers began to switch to growing sea sponges for sale as bath sponges rather than seaweed. These sponges are more resistant to warming temperatures than seaweed, especially with farmers cleaning them every day to prevent damage from bacteria. The industry is dominated by women and has been cited as reducing the gender wage gap in the area. The switch to sponges began when a Swiss nonprofit called Marine Cultures began operating in the region. The organization employs local women and trains them for one year, teaching farmers how to harvest sponges, including swimming, how to use dive gear, and how to market and sell these sponges. Farmers receive 70% of the profits from sponge sales. Crabs are also hugely important to humans. I can probably guess that you're more familiar with crabs than sponges and have heard of them a lot more. If you've ever been to a seafood restaurant, you've more than likely seen crab on the menu. Growing up in South Carolina, every time we visit the coast, one of the primary staples in restaurants is crab, along with other local seafoods. Crabs contribute both to our plates and to the economy, and in the Chesapeake Bay, for example, The value of the crab season in 2009 was 78 million dollars. The crab market is expected to continue to grow over the coming decades, only increasing the influence of crabs on the global economy. Like sponges, crabs also have uses in modern medicine. Crab shells have been adapted into medicines to treat symptoms like inflammation and even IBS. The related horseshoe crabs part of the same phylum level taxa arthropods, but in a different subphylum, are also commonly used to test medications for possibly dangerous bacteria. Horseshoe crabs produce limulus amebocyte lysate in their blood, which clots when it makes contact with these bacteria. So horseshoe crabs are routinely caught to use their blood for testing for our medicines and medical technologies before they head out for use. If we want to take advantage of these amazing possibilities that crabs and sponges pose, we want them to be around for long enough to do so. Unfortunately, crabs and sponges are in danger of disappearing. And the main culprits that are threatening them are climate change and ocean acidification. Sponges don't just have symbiotic relationships with decorator crabs, but also with their own microbial symbionts. These microbes help out with getting rid of waste and improving the sponge's metabolism in exchange for a safe, protected living environment. But these microbes are very temperature sensitive. As temperatures increase, the relationship between microbes and sponges can turn parasitic, with microbes causing sponges to become diseased rather than helping out with their daily function. Just like coral, sponges can also experience bleaching when their symbionts are expelled. Last year in New Zealand, the largest ever episode of bleaching in sponges anywhere in the world was documented, with an estimated tens of millions of sponges potentially being affected. This bleaching event was the result of two huge heat waves that occurred last year in New Zealand, including the worst marine heat wave the island country has seen in over 40 years. This heat wave was also extremely long lasting, spanning over half a year in length. While sponges may not always die as a result of bleaching, losing their symbionts makes them extremely susceptible to any environmental changes, which are themselves becoming more frequent and severe. Bleaching events like these are becoming more and more common as temperatures rise across the globe as for crabs they're threatened by various sources from overfishing to pollution to habitat destruction but the threat that will affect all crabs the most is ocean acidification as carbon dioxide is pumped into the atmosphere absorbed by the ocean and turned into carbonic acid through reactions with water the ocean is becoming more and more acidic. This makes it a more dangerous and difficult place to live for species that rely on being able to form hard materials, like shells for crabs. In 2016, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, found that the increasing acidity of the world's oceans is causing crabs to be unable to take in as much calcium as they need to grow and maintain their shells. This has a few different effects. It makes the crabs grow much slower, and the shells they are able to grow are much softer. This makes them less effective protection, meaning crabs can be eaten by predators a lot easier. We're already seeing these effects not just on adult crabs and their shells, but also on crab larvae. Another study from 2020 found that the larvae of dungeness crabs experience damage to developing structures and sensory organs, which could cause changes in behavior, predator avoidance abilities, and overall survival. Another problem impacting crabs is the higher levels of consumption needed to survive in increasingly warm waters. This year in Alaska, the numbers of Alaskan snow crabs plummeted, In a continuing trend, the number of crabs present in a species that is typically harvested was significantly lower than expected, leading to the canceling of the harvest for the second consecutive year by the Alaska Department of Fish and Game. NOAA conducted a study to try to determine just what was causing billions of these snow crabs to seemingly disappear. They found that the likely cause of their disappearance was starvation and not just due to a lack of prey, but because of increasing requirements for energy intake. As water temperatures are rising in the region to temperatures these crabs are unaccustomed to, the number of calories needed by these crabs every day is also rising, up by as much as four times the typical amount. This, combined with disruptions to the food chain, have resulted in huge decreases in the snow crab population, And even if these crabs do manage to survive, they aren't likely to hang around their old habitats much longer. With rising temps, they will likely be pushed to move further north and further away from where they've historically been harvested, meaning people who rely on these snow crabs for their livelihoods will likely be forced to transition to other sources of income. These changes in temperature have the potential to affect crabs all over the world, especially those who usually live in cold waters. The situation can seem pretty dire for these species, but luckily there are researchers who are still discovering more about these incredible species every day. Just this year, 12 new species of sea sponges were discovered in the Monterey Bay National Marine Sanctuary. And these species weren't discovered in some new, never-before-seen, deep-sea environment. They were found right off the coast of California, in a well-known, well-studied area. This is indicative of just how much there's still to learn about these species. And it gives me hope, at least, there may be species of sponges and crabs still out there, with the ability to withstand the harsh conditions being thrown at them. Plus, there are studies being conducted in those deep-sea environments, too. Researchers at the University of Bergen in Norway are working on a project studying deep-sea sponges. This project looks to use genomic data to learn more about the functions sponges play in their ecosystems and the resilience of those ecosystems to change. They're interested in finding out how these deep-sea sponges will be affected by climate change. The project has already discovered 30 new sponge species, and their results have been translated into policy action, with the Norwegian government listing these sponge grounds as endangered habitats on the Norwegian Red List. So what actions are being taken to protect these important species? The biggest threats to both sea sponges and crabs globally are climate change and ocean acidification, which require lowering carbon emissions to solve. In many places, the season for harvesting crabs has been reduced or even eliminated as an attempt to maintain these species for future use. Additionally, other measures have been implemented, such as quotas on catch and restrictions on what gear are permitted for harvest. As for sea sponges, measures are still being taken to learn more about these species, how they stand to be impacted, and how we can help to conserve them. So what can we as individuals do to help our decorator crab and sea sponge friends? Well, if you're planning on buying crabs from a supermarket, you can check out seafoodwatch.org to make sure you're buying sustainably and responsibly. But most of the actions that will help out crabs and sponges are actions that will help fight climate change and carbon emissions. And there are lots of ways you can do this, but I'll name a few of my favorites just to get you started. For one. You can shop locally and buy products sustainably. Not only does this help to reduce the carbon it takes to get your products to you, but it benefits your local businesses and economy. You can also talk to your friends and family about these issues and spread the word about how important these species are. The more people who know about the awesome things marine invertebrates do for us as humans, the more people who will be invested in protecting them. And finally, you can call your representatives. This can include anyone from local representatives to discuss issues relevant to your town, county, or state, or even US representatives, senators, or the White House itself. By letting our representatives know we care about these issues, they might think twice about them when a document shows up on their desk. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Invert Extroverts. If you enjoyed or want to find out where you can learn more, make sure to leave us a question or comment in the Q&A box. Until next time, I might not be an extrovert, but I do love inverts. Bye!